0: Welcome to the Gender Across Borders podcast. My name is Emily Heroy, executive editor of Gender Across Borders, and I'd like to welcome you to Gab's newfound podcast. We are an international feminist community where issues of gender, race, sexuality, and class are discussed online. But now we have taken that discussion to the airwaves. Stay tuned for exclusive interviews, pop culture reviews, roundtable discussions, and much more.
1: Look out,
2: it's Girls on tour. Look out, it's Girls on tour.
3: Welcome to the very first Gender Across Borders podcast. My name is Kyle Bachen. I'm a senior editor here at Gender Across Borders.
4: And I'm Colleen Hodgetts. I'm another senior editor at Gender Across Borders.
3: And uh today we're joined by the Gorilla Girls on Tour. Um we have Abra Ben, Maya Darren and Julia Child on the line. And um I guess to be, before we start things off, could you tell us a little bit about Gorilla Girls on Tour?
2: Yeah, sure. Um in two thousand and one the Gorilla Girls uh an organization that was founded in nineteen eighty five decided to split into three new and independent groups and members of Guerrilla Girls who were theater artists. Um, yeah, We <laughs> tour around, we, we put on plays and performances, we've tried to develop our own sense of feminist theater uh, that incorporates the audience into our shows. Our shows are, are interactive um, and uh, we also uh, carry on the tradition of Guerrilla Girls and making them humorous and using humor as a weapon to uh, shed light on, on women's issues.
3: Okay, so my first question is, um, how can theater be used to alter or influence stereotypes about gender?
1: Theater is such a little fantasy playground, I feel like, with a simple prop or a costume, especially one as gendered, as a film mask can sort of um, leave people up to their own devices in terms of deciding, what people are demographically in terms of gender and race and class and all of that good stuff i mean clearly our name is the gorilla girl so people are assuming that that we as actual performers are are women but we play a smorgasbord of gendered characters on stage um i mean that's one way and that's those are the only ways <laughs> well, that, is, well, that leads to a question of mine that I had.
4: Actually, you said uh, the audience makes assumptions about your gender, but what assumptions, if any, do you make about your audiences and how much of a role does that take in your performance?
1: Well, we always hope for an audience of idiots. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. We don't assume anything about our audience, but we do often perform for university audiences. So we expect a healthy portion of 18 to 21-year-old folks, but we've uh, performed at a lot of, like, commuter universities, too, and community colleges where there's a lot more diversity of, like, students. And we always have a big group of, um, like, local feminists that come or people that are just sort of There are people that are there to be antagonists, and these are trends that come up, like, a lot, so we assume that all of these groups will be represented, but people, I mean, have a surprisingly wide array of value systems that we are delighted and um, horrified by wherever we go.
2: And yeah, and we always, uh, you know, we always hope to, that our audiences have a sense of humor, of course. Um but we don't uh, assume that they will. Right.
3: <laughs> Do you believe in equal pay for equal work? Yes. Yes. Gentlemen, because of your answer to that question, I need to tell you that you might be feminist.
1: Me too. Yes. You know what? I don't, I don't want to alarm you, but
3: you might be feminist too. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, on that note, then, like going around to uh, universities and young people, um, what advice would you have for, um, I guess, you know, aspiring young playwrights or actors who wish to, you know, break the mold of traditional theater?
5: Well, one of the things they can start using is video, and they can really start interacting with their uh, with their audiences through using technology. Whether they create a flash mob and record it um, and use that as a backdrop for their piece, or whether or not they're streaming their performance live, um, whether or not they use the interactivity of a live performance that's streamed that you have people interacting with that can affect the actual performance as it's happening is an interesting trend as well. Um, the other thing is to, you know, you don't have to always try to be the most original every story has been told a million times over, it's just in how you want to tell it. Because you can see Hamlet done a million different ways, in a million different places, and it will always have a different effect. Um, Because it's, it's the people in the play, it's the director of the play, it's, you know, how it's presented, and it's the spirit of the live performance, like, that always changes it.
2: And also, you know, our, our, we, since we tour, our, um, plays are very uh, lightweight on the production end. I mean, it's rinky-dink theater with a couple of props, a bag of props and a bag of masks. And you can really, you don't need a lot of technical. Yeah, I feel like uh, magic
1: is created from distilling your voice. And I feel like that's the only thing that breaks the mold of traditional theater is just being very devoted to your own sense of style and urgency.
4: Have you found, you spoke before about seeing Hamlet, uh, you can see it performed in a million different ways and it's um, really the live performance that that kind of can change the reception or uh, the experience. Have you found that uh, a really different reaction to performing the same piece in many different places? Could you maybe talk about a time when that happened?
2: Yeah. Well, we we did get death threats once during our performance <laughs> of "Feminists Are Funny." Um, uh, it, it's it's amazing to me uh, some of the reactions that people have had. I mean, I think that people have a certain. I, I do think that people have, that some people may have a certain expectation of pe- women who come uh, to perform for you who are anonymous activists in gorilla masks. They expect you to be wildly subversive and controversial and bring up a lot of uh, trigger points, uh, uh, hot issues that that may, you know, get a reaction out of people. Um, well, they expect you to not be human because we're not right. presenting ourselves as such. Right. And so uh, a lot of times people will say, well, you didn't address... Uh, you know you didn't address women in the music industry why not and you didn't address this this issue or that issue people want us to cover every single issue uh, you know about women and part of our show at the end of our show we always try to give pe- people tips about how they can create works of theater and and activist actions and uh, about issues that they want to address because we can't possibly do everything and please everybody So, therefore, we've had lots of different reactions. We obviously get lots of love letters, but we also get a lot of hate mail from people because people accuse us of being whiners or, uh, you know, not going the full distance with our uh, activism.
1: Pick up lines of death threats, in a nutshell. (laughs)
3: Right. Do you think a a theater performance should have a feminist label on it, or should it be able to just go and see it and... Be able to recognize it as a feminist performance.
1: Well, in terms of artwork, I mean it's very strategic the labeling of it as feminist because we're talking about feminism very specifically and explicitly. Um, but I, in terms of like works that are not addressing feminism as the content of the show, like I, I actually don't think it's very necessary and I think it sort of like confuses uh, uh, working towards a more objective appraisal
5: of like theater generally I mean I mean how much do you want to spoon feed to the audience before they show up at a performance I mean the key part of live performance is that it's an experience and that you judge it based on the experience not you're really not supposed to go in with a huge amount of expectations
2: and and also it goes back to the women's theater, you know. This is women's theater. Uh, as soon as you start labeling things, women's theater, feminist theater, people might necessarily not want to come. I mean, we we're trying to break into more commercial audiences, and uh, pr- producers have actually said to me, "Oh, I could never present you if you have the word feminist in the title because no one will buy a ticket."
4: I mean, Have you ever considered taking it out of the title to get more people into the theater and then bam, hitting them with your show?
2: Yes, we're going to call our show Hamlet from now on. <laughs> yeah. Or just Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> or the Hairy Ape.
4: Despite the this, despite the um, explicitly female word in the title of the vagina monologues, do you feel that people come to that because they're curious or because people do pay to come to those shows?
5: That's a celebrity fest. That's something completely different. I mean, that's all about who's saying "word vagina vagina vagina" over and over again. It's initially yes, it's a fabulous show. It's it's awesome. But it, the key draw is the fact that they get a huge slate of celebrities every year. That's that's like one of the key points, which is great. I mean, it's awesome that you have you know such notable people saying "word vagina vagina vagina" over and over again and making it you know not such a scary bad word um, but this is completely different because it's anonymous
3: What about the like, campus performances of uh, vagina monologues?
5: Full of
1: future celebrities
3: <laughs>
1: No, I mean that's part of the phenomenon of the celebrity effect I think you know I mean McDonald's is a big phenomenon and I'm not saying the vagina monologues is McDonald's but like they, that is a brand now at this point and I don't think branding is a bad thing. We do it as Gorilla Girls, but it's um, it has a set of like values affiliated with it that include like the glamour, glamour of celebrity, and the sort of like um, antithesis of that, which is activism, which makes for an interesting combination, and it's very appealing to the young ones.
4: Well, on a final note, could you let us know what's coming up for Gorilla Girls on tour?
2: We are um, about to do uh, some touring in the United States. We've developed a new show uh, called If You Can Stand the Heat, The History of Women and Food that we're going to be touring uh, in 2010, 2011 and beyond. And we're taking it to Europe. We're going to be performing it at the City of Women Festival in Slovenia on uh, October uh, 17th. Uh, and from there we 're also going to tour through Hungary and Greece and lead some workshops uh, for women in creating street theater and we 're going to be um, putting uh, we 're going to be documenting all of our our European tour on on video and putting it up on the web
5: and also uh, podcasting live from the road and some of the events will be streamed some of the performances will be streamed live.
2: Yeah, so if you want more information about that, you can get it on our uh, Facebook page or our Twitter page. It's Gorilla Girls OT or Gorilla G's OT. And we're doing a cover girl ad. <laughs> really? <laughs> not paying for the tour. <laughs> no. <laughs> we wish. We are also pitching a reality show. <laughs> uh, it's not even- that's not a joke. It's it's, that's uh, banana. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, following us around, uh, changing the world. It would be called changing the world, one sexist city at a time.
4: Have any producers said we could never get this on TV with the word sexist in it?
2: No, I mean, people are kind of intrigued by it, which has, um, surprised me a lot. I never thought that anyone would be interested in showing women in gorilla masks running around changing the world, but, um... People, there have been some good responses to it, so we'll see. But we've also
1: told people that we are willing to change it to changing the world one sexy city at a time.
5: Be <laughs> <laughs> like Sex in the City, but with real life. <laughs>
1: One sex and the city at the time. <laughs>
4: Would you air before or after The Bachelorette?
1: Oh my God, oh. that is too tough of a
2: question. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs>
3: Actually I have a question. Who wrote the uh, Gorilla Girls theme song?
2: Um it was written by um it was written by a bunch of uh Gorilla Girls on tour together um and Justin Bieber.
3: <laughs> I knew it.
5: <laughs> you can feel the bieberness kicking out. <laughs> the beaver fever.
2: It's, you know, it's that's a funny question because there are some Gorilla Girls on tour who find it a little too retro for their tastes, but um we, 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 we try to please all. We're actually uh, trying to write a new theme song, a, a second theme song.
1: Yeah.
2: It sounds a lot like
1: the Growing Pains theme song. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's going to be a TV theme song medley. just with the word sexism over and over again as the lyrics.
5: Of course, they'll only hear the word sex, so that's good, I guess.
3: Yeah.
1: We'll whisper the ism. Um...
3: Okay. <laughs> well, on that note um, Colleen do you have anything else that you'd like to uh, no
4: me? I'm left speechless <laughs> awesome
2: <laughs> well we really appreciate the chance to talk with you um, on your podcast we love Gender Across Borders and we uh, uh, this was fun
0: from all of us at GAP we would like to thank our listeners for listening We hope you enjoyed this installment of the Gender Across Borders podcast. And if you did like what you hear, head on over to www.genderacrossborders.com for more in-depth articles, reviews, and interviews. Interested in taking part in the podcast? If you have something to say, Gab wants to hear from you. Please email info at
2: genderacrossborders.com.